Okay. Well, let's open our Bibles. Well, you know what? Let's start in John 4. I just want to read the last four verses of, of the passage that we had read there. John chapter 4. Uh, and perhaps that's just... Maybe it's exciting for me just, just making this connection um, through that, that Philip wasn't pioneering and have to be careful here because we've I, I sat underneath a lot of preaching and teaching this <laughs> this week which is good um, and a lot of challenging for the future and planning and different things like that which I really enjoy doing so um, connections is always a really good thing for me but um, let's just read verses John chapter 4 39 to 42 and then we'll flip to Acts chapter 8 and, and we'll see that connection I know you do and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. All right, and that means that there's a difference. I mean, there's a recognition, the, the faith, they enter into a relationship with God. Why? Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Right? Was that what, what led them to the place of faith? I would say that's what authenticated the belief that Jesus is the Christ right? Testimony. And that's not where I'm going to be preaching, so I'll try and disengage here. But I mean, that's, we need to be talking about what God's doing. We need to be talking with our younger generations. This is, this is how we've seen God work. I mean, especially in times where things seem to be slowing down. Well, we've seen God do this. It's authenticating. But that's what's going on in this area. Verse 40 says, so when the Samaritans had come to him, King Jesus they urged him to stay with them. Okay, why? Right? They wanted to know more. Right? With disciple, with somebody who's engaged in learning, they wanted to know more. So what did Jesus do? He stayed for two days. Can you imagine sitting in classes for two days? Right? <laughs> two days, open the scriptures, show us. And many more believed because of King Jesus' own word. Right? Was, he just, was he just verbally telling them? No, I, I, the scriptures would have been open. He's speaking for the Father. Right? It would have been a powerful time for the Samaritans. You think that word would have just stayed in Sychar? You know? Oh, no, I mean, they, it, and, and we'll get into that. I mean, that, what was going on, that revival would have spread. Okay? There's only like three highways that go through Samaria. It'd be like living here in New Brunswick. There's only like, what, four? <laughs> running to Fredericton? I mean, it's the same. Like, I mean, something happens. Everybody knows about it. Verse 42, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe that he is the Christ, the anointed chosen one, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, his teaching, and we know that he, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. He will make things right. So Lord, um, just as we step into the message this morning, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just, just lead me, Lord, that we would pull out the truths and we would just with very clear, clear understanding see their application for our lives today. Lord, our knees need to be bent before you. Lord, we're in a battle. Lord, there is, it's happening all around us, this war being raged for, for dominion. And Lord, without making this systematic theology, Lord, I pray that your, your text would speak for itself. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So let's turn to Acts chapter 8. 
Acts chapter 8, and, and again, we'll just keep laying this out. Uh, I have a privilege of, of, of studying and praying over these texts, and then seeing these connections, and then getting excited uh, about this. The one thing there that stood out to me this week, and again, I've, I mean, well, there have been four or five, and then um, four or five different speakers, teachers, preachers, right, got to sit underneath this week and then on top of some other opportunities. Uh, but this idea of proclaiming Christ, okay, proclaiming Christ. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 8 says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching, right, preaching the word, okay, study that word out, it means announcing the good news okay that word preaching is different than the one we're going to read in verse 5 so you have one group scattered in persecution announcing the good news of what the messiah and the messianic kingdom okay all right the, the salvation has come okay um, then philip went down to the city of samaria or a city in samaria and preached Christ to them. That word preached is different than the first one that we read, and that one means proclaimed. Okay, he's proclaiming the anointed chosen one to them. Who's the them? The Samaritans, okay, and that's my big connection here, okay. And what was the result of that? And the multitudes with one accord, they heeded, okay, they paid attention to, they, they, they applied themselves to Okay, they applied themselves to the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing these miracles which he did. But it's verse 7 and 8 that is going to drive this. Okay? For unclean spirits, we're in the demonic spiritual realm, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Okay, what happens to a country when they reject God? They come under satanic ruling. They come under demonic oppression. That's what happens all through history. Ever since uh, Adam and Eve sinned, we've seen that darkness come over. But as Christ's power works through Philip, we see verse 8, there was great joy in that city. So powerful, powerful things here. Um, just, just speaking very quickly to this idea of proclaiming Christ versus preaching, and what it's become. I said there's a big difference between proclaiming Christ from the scriptures and preaching at me what to think, what they think, the speaker, and what other think, other, others think about the text. And what I mean by that is when you have three or four illustrations or quotations that support what you think. I don't think Philip went into Samaria going, this this is, this is what it's going to be, and this is what I think, and this, no, as, as Philip went into Samaria, he was proclaiming Christ, and I'm going to say very, very close to how Christ did himself in John chapter 4, as the scriptures are opened, right? we have to understand that these were unified as the Spirit went forth. If we were looking for three points uh, on this text, right, and I did this when Neil came in, we say the, the, the scattered servant is sent for Philip. The Samaritan harvest is reached, if we were to go this route. And then we'd have the spoken word was heard. 
and we would develop that. But I, 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 with, with applying myself to, to Philip proclaiming the word, our Bibles are open, and I want us to look at these principles. So as we approach Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, or a city in Samaria, and proclaimed Christ to them. We need to see that Samaria was white for harvest. We've seen that this morning, right? They, they were ready. I mean, you had a multitude that already believed. Perhaps this is discipleship. Perhaps this is to their families. We are only two and a half years later after Christ has already been on this mission field. As we approach Acts chapter 1, verse 5, we need to see that Samaria in one, many ways is already evangelized. They had the word, right? They had the presence of Christ. Acts chapter 8. Sorry, yeah, my notes are wrong. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Chris has given me hand signals. Yeah, we're all in Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Samaria in any way, many ways, thank you, Chris, uh, evangelized, okay, and that they, they knew, we'll say, the gospel. They knew who God's anointed chosen one was. This, that there's no gray area there for them. This area, and many application-wise there, I'm just thinking here, this area kind of represents Carleton County in many ways. And I got thinking about that because, I mean, many people, neighbors, our community, I love history, I love listening but many people in Carleton County have at one time sat in pews of churches. Many people in Carleton County have been baptized in our white churches or in a river or stream or creek or brook or what, what have you there, right? Most of Carleton County has been evangelized, right? And that's, that's, that's a, to, to actually say that out loud, like the mission field is not closed, kind of a hard thing to to work through isn't it like we're we're dealing with a whole different chapter here mentioned this last week carlton county is 3313 kilometers squared carlton county the province of samaria is 3640 kilometers squared so just putting that in perspective i mean we're not dealing with vast amount of spaces there we're we're talking about the evangelism christ had brought spread people know who christ is you can't escape that i said this is this sounds like cold stream this sounds like carlton county born brought up and baptized in the church but what were the samaritans doing with what god had placed before them jesus's main message as he was preaching was repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand right turn back to god or this wrath is coming what were they doing with that message what are you know the people of carlton county doing with that message it's a sobering thing when somebody looks at you and you're like so what's going on like 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 is this are you living in obedience to god well yeah i love jesus as they right that's that's the nature of the mission field we're on so we see this philip proclaiming christ to them and I've done this with you before, and I've, I've asked you, what do you think he was proclaiming to them? As Philip went to the Samaritans, was he saying, you need to admit that you're a sinner. You need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, and, and you need to confess your sins. Is that the model that he was following? 
right? And I'm not putting any of that down. We have our tools. But as he proclaimed Christ, I think it was as Christ himself did with open scriptures, right? As we follow the book of Acts through every person that the Spirit comes upon to preach Christ works in a sequence for this message, right? It starts with the Messianic prophecies, Right? Every, single, every single speaker for Christ starts and shows them from the Old Testament that King Jesus is this prophetic messenger, suffering servant, new prophet, king of kings, lord of lords. Shows them from the Old Testament. Leads them to that place of seeing Isaiah 53 as that is what he did on the cross. The foundation of the gospel is so clear. They walk through the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. Every messenger walks through the, the, the ruling dominion, okay? And, and just for, let's go to Daniel chapter 7, just so that we've seen it. Daniel chapter 7, the ruling of Christ. Daniel chapter 7, and I know, I know we've been here, but just, just humor me here. Every single speaker talks to the Son of Man and addresses the fact that Christ is at the right hand of the Father ruling who has earned the right to rule over humanity and creation king jesus has he walked through the obedience right who has the right to rule over my life king jesus who has the right to rule over his church it's not the government it's king jesus and that's something that i'm going to say is the the basic principles of the gospel as these men are presenting Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days. They brought him near before him. I see my King Jesus nailed to a cross, placed into it, and he paid the, his blood paid the price for sins. All sin. For all men, it's by faith in that that you enter into a relationship with Christ. He was buried, God raised him, and I see him being brought before the Ancient of Days, God the Father. And what happens here in verse 14? Right? Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom All right, that's coming, an earthly one, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Serve who? King Jesus. I mean, these are the main tenets of the gospel. He didn't just die. He died and, and all authority was given to him. You bend your knee to him. His dominion or his rule is an everlasting dominion or rule which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Right? Christ, Christ has full authority now. And, and we'll get there in our notes if time allows. But is everybody subject to him? Wait, sorry, that's the wrong word. They are all subject. They all answer to Christ. Are they all submitted to Christ now? No. That's why we see so many wrong things in the world right now. That's why we hear so many wrong things. That's why even in Christian circles we're seeing so much garbage come down because they're not submitted to the dominion or rule of Christ. Right? That's why things are not right. The gospel has these tenets in them that are so important. We keep going down that list. I mean, the ruling dominion and returning wrath. I think I've, I've presented that very clearly. 
Every gospel has talks about the resurrection and the judgments that your life is accountable to Him, right? We will stand before Christ, and we will see that as Acts. We have the messianic kingdom and the final restoration as we work through that. That is what these men were proclaiming. That is what each one, I mean, the sermon in condensed form is a chapter, right? It is called the good news. If you understand the, the, the narrative of it. Come back to Acts chapter 8. Thank you, Krissa. And we'll work through 6, 6 to 8. And this is, I'm trying hard not to get into too much systematic theology here, but we need to grasp what's going on around us. Because if you don't grasp that Christ is the ruling authority, right? When you're facing demonic oppression or your children are being torn by devices, that was the topic from the other night, and you see Satan's hold on their life, addictions, uh, whatever persuasion, destroying homes, if you don't understand that, that they need to bend their knee because Christ is ruling over that, there's this kingdom tension, it's just, it's just a mess to you. We have to see what's going on biblically. So as Philip steps into this area of Samaria, it's darkness. Verse 6 says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits. Okay, this isn't Harry Potter stuff. This isn't the video games that we see all the time of, of things with horns and breathing fire. This is real spiritual warfare, demonic oppression and possession. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lamed were healed, okay? We have to understand that there is a kingdom tension going on right now. There is a kingdom tension that has started since Genesis chapter 3, where, where Adam and Eve are created, and I have it, have it in your notes, I believe with all my heart that every Christian needs to understand the sequence of how this dominion and rule battle started and how it's going on. I believe our kids need to understand. It's not just Satan is the... Sorry, I, I'm not mocking the VBS. I mean, it did a very good job in a, in, a, in a friendly way, palatable way, and just, just of presenting the good kingdom and the bad kingdom. Good versus evil. I mean, you can't just go out and say, okay, Satan and demonic. Right? You can't do that there with, with a mixed company of unsaved. But I mean... Our children need to understand that if Uncle Jeremy is, is a, a raging alcoholic, right, and he refuses to go to church and smoke cigarette and pot like a chimney, okay, they need to understand that he is not being, he, he's placed his faith in Jesus, but he is not submitting to King Jesus. And that's evil. Right? He is spiritually allowing himself to be led by who? Satan. That line needs to be drawn. Okay? The same way as if someone there, and, and, and you're sitting down, and you're quiet, you're, you know, you're, they come home from camp, let's say, and you're opening your Bible, and you're saying, okay, now do you see how the Spirit opens our eyes to this? Right? King Jesus is leading us. It's, we're not without sin. We're not without struggles, but King Jesus is leading us. That line needs to be drawn. 
And to be able to show our children that, that from the very beginning, when, when God created Adam and Eve, and I'd love to go back to Genesis chapter 1 to 3, but Adam was placed in the garden to do what? To have dominion. To rule. Right? He was to rule over God's creation. He is in many ways God's first king, his first Adam. And what did Satan do? He came into the garden and he said, Hey, hath God indeed said? Right? That sounds like a test. The authority? You know, are you going to obey God, Adam, as the first king? And what did Adam and Eve do? They failed that test. Right? Now, let's not be too hard. I'd probably fail that test too. I mean, working through that. But, but, but he failed that test. And what happened? They had to leave that garden. That dominion, that rule was taken from Adam, the first king. Then what happened? Now this year, we, we do have to turn. Let's go to John chapter 14, okay? And I'm just going to show you some terms here. Because Adam failed as the first king, John chapter, well, let's go to John 12, 30, sorry, first. John 12, 30. Because Adam failed, it wasn't just humanity failed, this, this dominion and rule, and Satan was given the chance to usurp dominion and rule, okay? Right? God's intention was for, for humanity, Adam, to have this perfect, and we would call it their ruling under his theocracy, okay? But, but Adam failed. He failed that test. John chapter 12, verse 30. I almost said that somebody want to read it, which it probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, but here we go. Voice from, where do we? Verse 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Jesus is preparing himself for the cross. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. Quite often, we don't get to this third authentication of the Son by the Father, right? We could baptism, right? You have Jesus, or pardon me, you have the Father from heaven. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. You have the Mount Transfiguration, right? This is my Father or my Son. Um, hear him. And then you have this third one. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again, okay? Exalting his Son, King Jesus. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world, now the, this is the point I'm getting at, the ruler of this world will be cast out. So when Adam failed that test, who became ruler of this world? Satan did. Now, he doesn't operate unless he's underneath God's sovereignty, but we see that term ruler of this world. Just turn to John 14 very quickly. John 14, and I've got it in the notes. So I'm not going to be able to cover everything. 1429. Same thing. Conversation is closing. We're in this at prayer meeting, okay? And then they're going to make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. John 14, 29 says, And now I have told you that before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe... I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. All right? We have the ruler of the world. Adam fails the test. Satan usurps that authority and he, he, 
he's given power. Power of the world. But it's important to process this through. As we continue through this, he doesn't have power over the church. He doesn't have power over the believer. He has the power over the world. And the world is an orderly arrangement of those who do not belong to God. Right? They've rejected the message. They've allowed themselves to, to remain in that lost state, and they are under Satan's ruling. A couple important points, and I don't want to railroad this, so we may have to come back to this, but Adam failed the test. Right? He was given dominion and rule. He failed. Satan usurps that dominion and rule. Now we have Satan ruling this world. Let's keep reading. Number one, let's recognize that the Bible teaches Satan is not all-knowing. Okay, and I have the notes here. Satan is not all-powerful. Satan is only permitted to rule the world that rejects God under his divine sovereignty. Okay, I have some verses there. I, I encourage you to look them up. Let's recognize the Bible teaches Satan's ruling plus people's rejecting directly attacks today's Christian family and churches. I've already mentioned that, right? Why, why are our homes so broken? Because people are rejecting God. Even if they place their faith in God, if you're, if you're not pursuing obedience, guess what? You're restraining the Spirit, and you're allowing Satan to lead, rule, influence, attack, right? I mean, it is. It just, just call it what it is. Many places the churches are underneath this oppression too. Let's recognize the Bible teaches that Satan is under Christ's rule and not yours. Now, this would make for an interesting study because I've heard it many times. But let's all, we should almost say it together. I am not an apostle, right? Maybe say it in your head, right? Unless I am not an apostle, okay? Right? Satan is under Christ's rule, Christ's power, not yours, Let's recognize this morning that we pray in the name of Jesus because as a believer in Christ, I'm, I'm on Christ, I'm in Christ, I'm under Christ's authority. But this praying in the blood, okay? You don't read in the scriptures anywhere of people praying the blood of Christ over things, okay? I have very good, interesting articles. I don't have time to do it. But if Revelation 12, 11, ask yourself, what is the context Ask yourself there why that, that those tribulation saints, okay, as they're saved by the blood, is that there, how is that applied? You don't read about praying the blood over anywhere else in Scripture, okay? Christ, Satan is under Christ's authority. So let's come down to the next line. We have a dominion problem, right? Satan is ruling this world. I don't know, like the public schools are getting worse and worse. Family units are getting worse and worse. The condition of the church is getting worse and worse. The condition of, of politics in the world is getting worse and worse. I think we would say we see Satan ruling the, the world, right? When I see, no, I don't turn the news on very often, but I'm saying God is over this, but Satan is leading that individual. Satan is leading that country. Satan is leading that motive call it what it is talk to your children and say and tell them that is what it is so what does god do right god says sends pardon me god comes himself in the flesh but god sends his king to rule right and that was king jesus right and i called him the hypostatic king 
right, for those that have sat in classes, fully God, God himself, and fully human. That's who came. That's who was born in a manger. Adam sinned. First Adam, first king, right? And this is how you lay it out for your children so they understand this is what the Bible teaches. Adam, the first king, he sinned and dominion was lost. Satan, ruler of this world, comes in. He's leading the world. But what did God do? He sent his son, his king, his Messiah, his anointed chosen one to make things right. Right, fully, and I've got a definition there. I mean, fully God, fully man. We don't want to remove that, but we see in the manger, the angels announced the birth of the king. He had come to rule. Is God going to force his dominion on them? No, they had to repent. They had to come. Right? There is one day where every knee will bow and tongue will confess and the wrath will determine that. <coughs> but we have the angels announcing, here's the king. We have John the Baptist Right? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's preparing the way before the, the Lord. There's a preparation there through John the Baptist. You've got God Himself from heaven three times. We just talked about it. You've got the Scriptures pointing towards the Messiah King. You've got the authenticating miracles pointing towards the Messiah King. All right? Everything's pointing towards King Jesus has come to dominion and rule. Stick with me. After Jesus' baptism, what was the first thing that happened? Spirit caught him up and he went out in the wilderness. Why did, why did Jesus, King Jesus need to be tested? Because he had come as king. You ever wondered why we compare the testings from Satan in the wilderness with the testings of the garden? Right? God's kings are being tested. Does Jesus fail or pass the test? He passes. He uses the word. Right? He passes. Right? The angels come and minister to him. Right, He passes the test. Okay? Now he's going to go to Israel. What does King Jesus try and do new? He attempts to gather Israel. He is the son. He is the king. God has authenticated. He is the one that's come to rule. Come. Come. We see that carried through. The next point. Right? What do they do? God's Messiah King steps into his redemption plan. Right? Who'd, what was the name that they wrote on the top of his cross? King of the Jews. Okay? He had come to, to take dominion. The people rejected his rule okay? as the second Adam, Paul calls him. Okay? We see him nailed to a cross. But that was God's plan to pay the price for sins. They place him in a tomb. And this has never been so clear for me before. Why is it so important that God raised him? As his king came, was rejected, and his king was nailed to a cross, and they placed the king in the tomb, God raised his king to where? His right hand. That's Stephen. We just saw that last chapter. He's at the right hand of God. Daniel 7, all authority has been given to him. He is now, because of his obedience and his, his, his willingness to walk through his Father's plan, he is ruling. All dominion is given to him. Satan is under Christ. That is a key starting point to any discussion. But this is without force. Right? This, this is without force for now. When he returns in wrath, 
I mean, Revelation 6 to 19, that's, that's pretty forceful. <laughs> it, that, that's, that's like, okay, your time is up. Make a decision, right? You either bend your knee, right? Revelation 5, he is the lamb. He opens the souls, scrolls. He is, he is worthy. Make a decision now. But right now, it's without force. And the Bible, we continue with that. People, both believer and unbeliever, who choose to reject God and choose to live in rebellion, call it what it is, they are living under Satan's ruling. Right? And, and people can do that. People can place their faith in Christ, go through a dark season, make some stupid choices, and guess what? Satan is ruling their lives. Right? Satan is leading them down their path. And until we call it that line, Satan is ruling your life right now. We're just, we're just, what's that, codependence, right? We're just pretending that everything is okay. No, call it what it is. Anyway, without Christ's ruling dominion, I use the word supposed, it's supposed to be through the church. He sent his spirit to rule through the church. And that's part of, and I know even through COVID, it's like, this is the time where the church under Christ's ruling is supposed to rise up under his authority. Right? I'm not saying resist everything that comes and, and, and be, you know, like anti-government medicine. Like, I mean, like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying coming together, rising up, recognizing that Christ has dominion over everything you can list right now. And this is supposed to be Priority. So coming back, and we don't need to turn there, but I, we, we know that text well enough. As Philip proclaims Christ, it wasn't a 90-second ABC. Right? He's casting out demons. He's stepping into the demonic warfare, and he's saying, my king died, God raised him, and he has power over you, Satan, and the demonic realm. He's claiming this authority. Right? He's an apostle. But as the multitudes are coming and the churches are being born, right? It's under the power of Christ. And that looks very different than what we're seeing today. I mean, very, very different. I'm trying to be considerate and, and careful here. But, but this message, this understanding of Christ's authority, I'm going to say was basic Bible knowledge as they taught. I mean, they watched King Jesus. They watched him cast out demons. They knew where the dominion, they had those pieces. It was basic Bible knowledge. And that completely changes things. Understanding dominion and rule. Right? I, think without, I think it gets complicated with complacency. One generation decides not to teach it, doesn't understand it, doesn't care about it, and then all of a sudden we have you know, what is this that he's talking about? And I'm saying at one point with Philip coming in, this was basic Bible knowledge. How can you read your Bible and say you're following Jesus without these truths? Without being able to say, Christ is ruling my life. Christ is ruling this church. Right? Look at what's going on. We see that. Christ is ruling my family, my marriage. How can we, how can, without understanding the, the dominion and rule. What are we teaching our kids? So last, last thought just comes from verse 6. And I'll just read it. Acts chapter 8, verse 6. And the believing multitudes with one accord heeded, they applied themselves to the things spoken by Philip. Right? Philip was laying these things out. 
right? Scriptures, the Holy Spirit through him. I mean, he's, he's paralleling, he's coming in behind Christ. I don't think Christ would have hesitated to say, I'm the king. I have all authority from God, right? The lines were clearly drawn there. I just thought to myself in the quietness, let's be honest. Today we can't even get believers interested in studying and learning about Christ. They're not even interested, right? Let alone following him, right? The proclaiming Christ, applying oneself, like heeding what, I just don't care. So I said, look around, this would be discussion, is the battle being lost? Now, automatically, I think many of us would be defending that. Oh, no, the battle's already won. But is the battle being lost? Because in the last days, the love of many grow cold so that the next things can come in. Right? So at some point, the battle on the earthly side will be lost. Right? What happens when love grows cold? Love of Christ grows cold. What happens? Now, I am not in any way the person to roll over. Right? I am ready to teach, proclaim. Let's get back to doing it how Christ did. Let's open our scriptures. Let's get some energy. Let's, let's connect with other churches. Let's, let's get a momentum going. But let's just call things what they are. Right? And this proclaiming Christ is so much deeper as he walked into this area. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that we would take these things to heart. <clears throat> Lord, we do recognize that... Um, even in our own hearts, Lord, and I know I can, well, I used to go weeks without a desire to be in your word. Lord, I used to go weeks with just being content with the thought. And Lord, in many ways, that, that's probably what happened in some of the areas of my life that I struggle with. Lord, I, I just, this morning, as we open your word and we're talking about these things, Lord, we do pray for our Christian communities. Lord, we pray for our churches in this Bible Belt. Lord, we pray for pulpits. Lord, we pray for, for as a whole that we would just see, oh, Mr. Hoagie is the word, we would see a revival. And Lord, that wouldn't be perhaps in the, the sense of... of programs and, and, and just energy. Lord, we would see a revival and a desire to, to kneel before you, to get back to, to opening our Bibles as, as an assembly, as, as community of believers and allowing you to speak, allowing you to guide us. Lord, that we would see just a, a powerful moving of people desiring to know about you and Lord, that we would see this change our area, our Carleton County, 3,300 square meat kilometers. Lord, that we would see multitudes coming to you just as they did in your time. But Lord, we know that um, there's some realities. Lord, some of these things take time. And Lord, I pray that we would be found doing what is right, regardless of what others are doing, what leaders are doing. We would be found doing what is right. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Do you know?